This is Star Wars Rebels Alert, the weekly podcast after show where we recap and discuss each and every episode of Star Wars Rebels Season 3. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And this week we're going to be doing something just a little bit different. Slightly. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of hiatus in between episodes here. So we'll be coming back next week with a brand new episode of Star Wars Rebels. Imperial Super Commandos comes out next Saturday, and we'll be coming back and discussing that. But with the hiatus, we thought it would be a good opportunity to go back and discuss a recent novel that's dropped that fits really well into the Clone Wars and Rebels timeline. And it's E.K. Johnson's Star Wars Ahsoka novel. Yes. Great novel so yes. far. Right? Fantastic. Okay. And what we're going to be doing here is really just kind of breaking down and talking about some of the highlights and giving you guys a little bit of insight as far as what we thought about this book from a readers or a more of a listener's perspective yeah actually. you could say with the audible download there right yeah and it fits really well with the timeline that we're working with right now because last week we had an episode the last battle yeah. that discussed and picked up on some of the threads that were left dangling from the abrupt end of the clone wars yes and this book does that exact same thing it picks up on ahsoka's story post order 66 and even fills in some of the time gaps after her last appearance on clone wars yes it sits well with the other episodes from Rebels that are going back and delving into the backstories of some of our main characters like Chopper and Hera and hitting on certain points that help us develop those characters, understand where they're coming from. And this book does a really good job of that for Ahsoka. Definitely does. So we're just we're not going to kind of do a chronological breakdown of every single scene in this. We're going to talk about the important things, the things that matter for the Star Wars universe as a whole as well as for Ahsoka. Right. It's incredible what the team, uh, Dave Filoni and those guys, have done with her because they introduced her in um, the Clone Wars movie that wasn't well-received, and nobody really liked the fact that Anakin had a Padawan that no one ever mentioned before. So she's grown a lot. When they brought her back in Rebels, I think that's when everyone was hooked. Yeah, And towards the the end of Clone Wars, the the story arc they gave her was, was pretty good. So... She's been a fan favorite since. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people were upset with her appearance in the Clone Wars because it took away from the Obi-Wan and Anakin story. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because there's such a void with Revenge of the Sith, even yeah. though they did correct it throughout uh, that series. But you're right. It did take away from the Anakin and Obi-Wan. Yeah. I, I think they've really justified her existence in this universe with this book, her Rebels appearances, and what they've done kind of in the in-between times. Yeah, they really have. Yeah. So this is the 11th canonical Star Wars novel that's come out in the last couple years. Right. And you and I are trying to keep up with a lot of these. And this so is much. one that we really want to hit on. Mm-hmm. And it is a junior novelization. Yeah. Do you feel it had that junior aspect of the novel? No, not at all. Yeah, don't let that fool you. The Was it the YA rating? The yeah. young adult rating? No, the tone of this is fits so well with the rest of the new canon that we've been getting with, mm-hmm. um, whether it's Claudia Gray's... Uh, Bloodlines or um, Lost Stars, which you're currently reading right now. Lords of the Sith is obviously a little uh, darker than that, but yeah, don't don't let the YA rating take you away from this book. Oh, I'd have to yeah. completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. And because it's a bit shorter, it's a bit mm-hmm. easier to get through. Yeah, exactly. And it almost feels like a couple episodes kind of smashed together of Rebels of Clone Wars here. Yes. It's got that vibe to it, which I really like. Yeah, it, it really does, actually. That's actually kind of one of my negatives in the sense that I felt like this book could have been captured in what you just mentioned, a couple, like, like a three-story, four-story arc yeah. on Clone Wars or a flashback in the Rebels. In a sense. How yeah. great would that be? If just a hiatus mm-hmm. where you have kind of a Christmas break or whatever, oh, oh. and you have just this Ahsoka book developed into a, you know, like a four episode arc. Yeah, I would love that. 
basic synopsis here. Mm-hmm. So Ahsoka finds herself kind of wandering around the Outer Rim, trying to stay off of the Empire's Raider. So mm-hmm. she's survived Order 66. And this is one of the big plot holes that was left open yeah. as far as how she ended up in Rebel Season 2 surviving Order 66. Because mm-hmm. her whereabouts is pretty much unknown post-Clone Wars. Yeah. And then we don't know what's going on during the Rebels' time frame with her until mm-hmm. she does show up as Fulcrum here. Yes. She still has this need, this want to be someone that's almost this heroism to her, yeah. right? She's never really lost that. Mm-hmm. She and keeps I, that. And I feel like they've really matured her in this book. Like I said before, her appearance in Clone Wars annoyed me a bit in the early seasons because she had this like adolescence, this whiny teenager. Yeah, very bratty. Yeah. yeah. And this feels like a completely different character, even mm-hmm. though it's offset from Rebels by a few years. Mm-hmm. This feels like a very mature Ahsoka, the Ahsoka that we saw in Rebels. Yeah. Definitely on that path. And she does find herself onto this planet called Ryata, where mm-hmm. she's kind of hiding out. She's a mechanic now. Yeah. And she eventually leads this community of farmers mm-hmm. to rebel against the Empire once the Empire shows up and occupies this planet for its natural resources. Yeah. Both from a farming perspective and a slaving perspective. Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to go full spoilers here. Mm-hmm. So like I said, we're going to talk about some of the high points here and then just discuss where we think this all fits into and where this could point us as far as developing different ideas in Star Wars Rebels and maybe potential further on novels. Right. Some of the significant moments in here, and like I said, full spoilers for Ahsoka and for Rebels and for Clone Wars. We're going to kind of be jumping into everything here. Mm-hmm. We do see the end of the Clone Wars as far as Ahsoka's perspective is, is concerned, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this last interaction with Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka that we see as she's on Mandalore fighting Darth Maul. And not watching the Clone Wars, I was a bit confused coming into this because I assumed that they were just picking up off of an episode. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case, is it? No. No, basically, I guess they picked up on episodes that Dave Filoni and the team didn't get to quite finish because Clone Wars was cut short. So it's kind of cool that they get to call it back and, you know, complete those episodes through a novel and better yet, even on Audible, right? Yeah, exactly. And... It appears that Obi-Wan and Anakin come to the aid of Ahsoka as she's found out that Maul is still alive and he's on Mandalore and this massive battle is occurring with Rex in the 501st. Obi-Wan and Anakin show up. They give her her lightsabers back. Mm -hmm. And then this fight happens during the prologue of this book where we do see Darth Maul. And I love, love, love what they did in Rebel Season 2 with him calling her Lady Tana. Right. This is supposed to be an insult. And I mm-hmm. never fully got that until this book. Right. So cool. Because she's not a master. She's not a Jedi anything like that. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, he's poking at her here. Oh, yeah. Just uh, tormenting her a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And then we really see how she survives Order 66. Because this is her last interaction with Anakin prior to Order 66. Mm-hmm. And he takes off to Coruscant from Mandalore mm-hmm. because Palpatine's been kidnapped. And that right. leads directly into it's Revenge of the Sith. Sith. Which is so good how they tie it yeah. together. Yeah. And we do see her successfully defeat Maul here and actually capture him. Mm-hmm. And then Order 66 is executed. Yes. And this is another great plot point where we see how Ahsoka survived Order 66 and it has a lot to do with Rex here who's a big yeah. character in Rebels right now. Huge, yeah. And it's basically the two of them that conspire to fake each other's deaths yeah. and two huge things here. Rex takes another clone, puts his armor on him, yeah. throws him in a grave. They scribe a tombstone saying that he's killed Ahsoka Tano, mm-hmm. which I guess is I guess something that they were doing at the time and then they put her lightsabers yeah. in. Right. And so this is where we see her relinquishing her Jedi lightsabers, which is a big deal, right? It's huge, yeah. Once they've done that, they decide to go their separate ways, not have any contact with each other. 
And I, I really love how they did this. Mm -hmm. And in the novel, you really feel that impact of her relationship with Rex, which is picked up on in Rebels Season 2. Yes. So the start of this book, the prologue here, is immensely exciting. And it kind of gets you really riled up for this book. But then I feel it takes somewhat of a lull here. And it yeah. builds up this individualized story of Ahsoka. And it's not quite what we were thinking it was going to be. We had mentioned this in previous podcasts. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little different up until about, I would say, chapter 13. Yes, that's right. It's uh, because they set the tone so high with the mall and Mandalorian and yeah. all that stuff. And then it gets, uh, like I've said it before, very narrative driven, right? Where it's just kind of works in two ways. I mean, one, it's really cool because you really get a sense of Ahsoka. They really put you in her shoes, which is awesome. But at the same time, it gets a little jarring, a little slow, right, with the yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that slow pace that I hear a lot of people have issues with. And because it started off so fast, yeah. you, you think that this is going to continue this pace. But I actually appreciate, now having finished the book, mm -hmm. I appreciate that early phase of slowing it down, mm -hmm. developing the character, and you get more connection, I think, to Ahsoka than you would if it was a rapid, universe-spanning battle yeah. where they're also focusing on developing other concepts and other seeding other things for future novels yeah. or future, you know, even live-action or Rebels episodes or whatever. I think mm -hmm. they do a really good job on concentrating on Ahsoka. This is really a book about Ahsoka. It doesn't take the opportunity to go and try to develop other things elsewhere where other books even the aftermath books you see them using interludes to kind of let you know what's going on and other aspects of the universe this is so focused on ahsoka mm -hmm. that you really appreciate what they're doing with the character here yeah and one of the big plot points here is once she finds herself on Riata, this kind of backwater world actually it's a moon mm -hmm. and it's a farming community where they just simply farm they're very simple people and she's there hiding and she figures you know the empire's not coming here i'm fine and then all of a sudden the Empire shows up. Yeah, not for her Soka, just no. for reasons of their own. Right? Yeah, and what did you think of the portrayal of the Empire here? We have to remember, this book is only taking place one year after Order 66 mm -hmm. is executed. Yeah. So we're still living in a relatively new Empire world. Yeah. And they're using this moon as a planet for resources, mm -hmm. like I said, for slaving, as well as growing these the plants for the nutrient pills, which... I'm reading Lost Stars right yes. now, and it's that's dropped that these nutrient pills are preferred almost in a liquid sense or whatever, mm -hmm. and it kind of ties in really nicely there. So it's something, as when I was reading Lost Stars, I'm like, ah, this is great because this has been covered in Ahsoka yes. about how they're growing it, and it's anyways. Kind Those of Easter eggs there. are just yes. sprinkled in. That's why you got to read all these books, yeah. right? Um, no, you know, it makes sense what they've done with, um, with the Imperial Guards here, right? With the Stormtroopers, because they are new. Um, and it's only been a year after Order 66, so th there's going to be flaws in their systems. Yeah. And to see uh, Ahsoka and, and the farmers kind of defeat them in certain ways a lot easier than they could do later on made a lot of sense throughout this book, right? Yeah, because there's a lot of comments from Ahsoka about how clumsy they are and how poor soldiers they are when she's comparing them to the clones from the Clone Wars, right? right. Do you think that they were too, like, tyrannical here? That they were too harsh being only that they're a year out. I get that yeah. when we're in the original trilogy, they've been around for 20 years, two decades yeah. almost. And you do get that sense that right now they're almost trying to project the OT empire into this book where yeah. I feel like it's a bit too much. Yeah, I got, I got that way too. Yeah, it's a little too much on the nose there. Yeah, and just having the experience now from reading Lost Stars a bit and you get a completely different perspective in right. that book. And I feel like the universe was more embracing of the Empire at first. Yes. And it's only these pockets where you do have them being more relentless and using them as slaves that this starts to develop this rebellion, right? Yeah. And we get early seeds of the rebellion in this book as well. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's almost a bit too much Empire here. Like, yeah. Or too... 
I don't know, relentless or tyrannical or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that it's, it just doesn't feel that way. Because they develop somewhat of an antagonist through this early part of the book that's yeah. an imperial officer. And he kind of gets dropped as we pick up kind of the main antagonist at the end of the book. Here, yes. Which is another great plot point that we'll discuss oh, yeah. here shortly. <laughs> now, the characters on Raeda, I don't think they have a huge impact on the book. There's no. there's Caden and a few others here that, again, there's great interaction with Ahsoka and it helps develop her story. And then yeah. we have some off-world other characters, the Farties, which again, yeah. another great plot point that helps show who Ahsoka is and how she's developed and how she's continuing to not so much be a Jedi, but partake and act like a Jedi. Yeah, and do some heroic things. Yeah. I actually really appreciate the Farties. I yeah. liked I liked what they did with those characters. I kind of wish that we had got more of them. Yeah. Especially with, um, well, like essentially a, a force sensitive. Yeah. yeah. And that's something that they don't really touch on that much in the original trilogy. And that yeah. is the fact that there's all these kids, all these people in the universe that are force sensitive. And you do get this idea, at least from this book, that right after Order 66, Vader sent out his inquisitors to yes. hunt down these force sensitive children mm-hmm. or people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they use a young child in this, this Farty's clan that's developed through Ahsoka here and kind of hitting on and exploring that a bit more. And I felt that they did a really good job there exploring these Force-sensitive children and what Vader's actually starting to do with these Force-sensitive individuals mm-hmm. and kind of develop this idea of the Inquisitors within this book. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because I'd like to know how old these Inquisitors would be because if this is only a year apart from Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. and these, these Inquis- Inquisitors, I'd imagine, have to be at least old, over 16 18 probably right yeah. so were they once jedis themselves i mean i know obviously the grand inquisitor was at yeah. one point so yeah so we had an inquisitor introduced in this book the sixth brother mm-hmm. so this is our fourth brother or sister and then the grand inquisitor as mm-hmm. well that we've seen i was a little confused because the description really makes him sound like the fifth brother right kind of yeah. this big tall gray individual with mm-hmm. you know these blue eyes and the helmet and all that i was a bit confused i actually had to go back and check to see which one of the Inquisitors actually appeared in Rebels, Rebels here. Rebels, yeah. Because I couldn't quite grasp what was going on here. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of this character? Do you, like, he was a bit clumsy. Yeah. He wasn't as menacing as, say, a Maul or something like no. that. No. Never really intended to be, I don't think. No. But did you like the inclusion of an early Inquisitor into this novel? I did. Yeah. I really liked that. It furthered uh, Ahsoka. It, it, you really get to appreciate her, her fighting skills and that she was Anakin's Padawan, so yeah. she can hold it down with the two lightsabers. Um, and you know what? The Inquisitor really shined for me when he had the moment where he um, basically took on the farmers himself, yeah. and he's using all sorts of force powers, and he's using the, um, the cyclone kind of lightsaber effect. Yeah. That was a great scene for him. Yeah, in the caves and all and, that. In yeah. the caves, yeah. yeah, that was great. But he was he was he was pretty, you know, kind of forgettable yeah. a little bit. But he, he had his he had his shine in here. Is you know, I think a lot of people with rebels are kind of done with inquisitors. Yeah. So I think if you know, we have to use what two or three more of them. Yeah. So why not use them in novels and just sprinkle them in? Because I don't want to see them show up anymore on rebels. No, I agree with you, and I think it was a great way to connect up what happened in Rebel Season 2 with yes. this book, and kind of understanding a bit about how, again, this idea of Force-sensitive people, they're being hunted down, it makes sense that they fit into this book. Here. Yeah, yeah, especially because, you know, a callback going to Rebel Season 2, you see Ahsoka, is this season? yeah, Season 2, you see Ahsoka take on the two um, Inquisitors on her own, yeah. and she just handles them, right? So it's it's cool that you get this, this idea of how she's grown so much in the Force yeah. at that point, yeah. The Inquisitor here, the sixth brother, he becomes aware of Ahsoka when she finally uses her Force powers here. So she's so reluctant to use them because she doesn't want to either put other people in danger with her presence and she doesn't want people to know who she is. Mm -hmm. 
And it's chapter 13 here. I remember texting you and being yes. like, dude, I know it's slow. Mm-hmm. Get to chapter 13. Because this is when she uses the force powers here in a big way. Yeah. I'm listening to this. I'm getting goosebumps oh. as she's using it. And just this explosion of power. And yeah. she kind of wipes out a good chunk of the empire that's there. I absolutely love this scene. This is what made the book for me. And from this point on, I was fully invested in this. Yeah, I was engaged. It was a very cinematic experience almost, right? Yeah. So there's this eventual battle between Ahsoka and the Inquisitor. So Mm -hmm. it's seated for a while here. We know it's coming. Oh, yeah. And leading into that, Ahsoka's collecting all these kind of tech pieces. Yeah. This is something that's strung right through from her time on with the Farties to her time on Raeda. And you always kind of get this kind of on-the-nose hit that this is something specific, right? It keeps touching on this. Why does she always have this bag of tech pieces? Mm-hmm. And these are pieces that have called to her in some form, and she talks about lining them up in certain ways, and it's really cool how they develop this, and mm-hmm. eventually this becomes the the components for her two new lightsabers right. here. The lightsabers that we see in Star Wars Rebels Season 2. Yeah, they're becoming pretty uh, iconic, I'd say, too, with they the white are. lightsabers going on. Yeah. And they really delve into some of the background on lightsabers here. Some of this interesting kind of lore that they're building within this new canonical universe. Mm-hmm. And the concept of the color of the kyber crystals. So Ahsoka goes on a bit of a mission here to Ilum to find her crystals again. So this is where she went the first time. She speaks of this idea that the crystals are calling to her, singing to her. And I really like this because this is something that I'm not completely familiar with, mm-hmm. even in the EU sense, that the the kyber crystals and how they, they choose their master and then it's going out and seeking them and finding them. And then they go into the lightsaber and this is what gives you your color and this yeah. is what gives you your lightsaber. And they're their own individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And they really explore this in some detail in this book and really give you an idea why, one, the Siths or the Inquisitors, the evil, the dark side users, Mm -hmm. why their lightsabers are red. Right. And it's this concept that the stones are actually bleeding. So they've been pillaged, they've been taken, they've been stolen, and they've been corrupted by hate by the dark side. Mm -hmm. And this is why they're red. They bleed. Yes. What did you think of this explanation? (laughs) At first, I didn't like it at all. At first, I I thought it was terrible. It, um... Kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but actually, over the weekend, I I, I found something on Pablo Doglo talking yeah. about uh, the, the origin of the whole thing. And I guess George Lucas himself never actually really liked the original idea of uh, the crystals in the first place. So now I understand is that basically when they do construct them, you have to construct them in order for it to change. So my problem was always, okay, well, when Anakin moved into the Sith, how come his lightsaber never turned red? How mm-hmm. come it wasn't bleeding? But it's because you actually have to construct it. Yeah. So you can't just hold on to it and then it changes. So with that little explanation out the way, um, that, that makes sense to me. So I kind of do like it. And I do like the aspect of, you know, it bleeds. You know, yes. that's 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 pretty cool. And a quick little thing too, um, going back there where Soka goes to a, a was it a limb? Oh, yeah, that's actually from uh, Old Republic. Yeah. That oh, planet. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm playing the game right now and I'm actually on that planet right now. So, awesome. Yeah, pretty neat. <laughs> this concept too, I think we're going to see revisited in Rogue One. Is yes. this idea that the Emperor had occupied Elam because it was mining these kyber crystals, mm-hmm. right? It is a kyber crystal that powers the Death Star, a That's very right. large kyber crystal. Yeah. And I think there's an unproduced episode of Clone Wars where Obi-Wan and Anakin are stopping the Empire from attaining yeah. a large kyber crystal for a weapon. That's right. And spoilers for Rogue One here. You guys all know that I, I don't watch the trailers and all that sort of thing, but from what I've read a little bit from the early on trailers, mm-hmm. this, this planet of Jeddah is another one of these almost Ilum kind of doppelgangers replacements where yeah. there's a high concentration of kyber crystals there. Okay. And this is potentially why the Empire has occupied this planet or are invading this planet, and it's for the kyber crystals, and this connects 
all in with the Death Star on that. So nice. we might be revisiting this similar concept in Rogue One in just a couple months here. Okay, no, that makes sense. I think you can check out that episode even on YouTube or if you own the last season on Blu-ray, but it is unfinished like yeah. you mentioned, so it's, it's kind of hard to watch. Yeah, it is. Yeah. She does go to battle with this Inquisitor and with no lightsabers, mm-hmm. she just uses the Force. And again, she comments a few times here how clumsy he is. He's more of a brute force rather than a finesse type Inquisitor or, or Force user. Mm-hmm. And she ended up killing the the Inquisitor here by overpowering him and his Explodes. lightsaber explodes in his face. Yeah, which I thought was a cool one. It's an interesting death as opposed to just killing him with his own lightsaber or yeah. something. It's a nice uh, route to go. Yeah. yeah, it was a little different than we've seen before. Right? Yeah. I was expecting her, to be honest, to go to Ilum, get the kyber crystals, pop him into the lightsabers, yeah. come in and show up with her lightsabers. Yeah. And it's cool that they went this direction where it was like, here, we're going to show something different here. A Jedi, mm-hmm. or a, you know, I'm going to say Jedi in quotes, yeah. without her lightsabers, using the Force. And this is something we see through this whole book, is that mm-hmm. she uses the Force only when she has to. Yes. And this is a very important moment for her to use that. And then she takes the Kyber Crystals from this Inquisitor. Yeah. And she says she's heard these call out to her before. So these you know, might have been something that were in the Jedi Temple or they come from a Jedi that she was familiar with right. that is no longer living. Yeah. And she takes those crystals and she purifies them with the light side. Right. And almost the white is an interesting color, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's kind of sitting in the middle of it. I know it's an extreme black and white, but yeah. I feel like they're trying to hit here at her being in the middle. Yes. Yeah. And she does use the name Ashla through this, yeah. which it's again a bit on the nose. Yeah. I think it's like, <laughs> why would you use a light side term as your name when you're trying to hide yourself from being a Jedi? Mm-hmm. But I kind of like that they did use that. And again, it's nice that they're hitting on these aspects of the original scripts and the original work that George Lucas did, bringing some of that right. into this universe. Yeah. So. And, you know, and that's a great fight there because that fight does so much for the reader or the listener because you really get a sense of Ahsoka is so well trained that she doesn't even use her lightsabers to take on this enemy and, and constantly she's dissecting this enemy you, you know noticing things like his helmet's not all the way down or yeah. little weaknesses and little flaws and chips in his armor where she can take this guy down and I think she even mentions after defeating him that you know if he did have his shield down he probably would have survived that yes. blast so she's just an excellent combat uh, fighter in throughout this whole uh, book and you really yeah. get a sense for how powerful she is and mm-hmm. At the end of Star Wars Rebels Season 2, when she goes up against Vader, right. having read this book now, I really believe that she could have really taken him to the extreme limit that she yeah. did, right? Mm-hmm. She's a very, very powerful Jedi. Right. And one of the other aspects that are explored in this book is the early stages of the Rebellion mm-hmm. and our man, Bail Organ. Yes. He's showing up in almost every novel mm-hmm. now that is pre the explosion of Alderaan, pre A New Hope, right? Right, right. And I'm loving his presence here. And he's he's a nice callback to the original trilogy, to Clone Wars, to Rebels, to everything. Yeah, right? I, I love when this guy shows up in the books, whether it's, well, yeah, whether it's Bloodlines or, or this book Lost here, Stars. Right? Or Lost Stars. I just, yeah. I love when they, they bring that back. And what a good uh, piece he brings to this book. Yeah, yeah, he does. And Ahsoka grabs his attention from afar because mm-hmm. of her acts of heroism throughout Outer Rim territory, something mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily see. And there's this idea floating around that it is a Jedi and that there's interesting things going on with potential Force users. Mm-hmm. And Bail, having been close to the Jedi, one of the supporters of the Jedi, and one of the remaining people in the Senate mm-hmm. that is like is almost actively rebelling against the Empire here. Right. And, and now, again, I'm going to bring this in again, reading Lost Stars, yeah. you do see that how that's developed with Leia, with Bail, and how they're actively protesting against like this rule of the Empire. And you see the foundation of the rebellion being built here. Mm-hmm. And when they're called to Raeda to save the people of, of the planet from the Empire's rule, it might be one of the first canonical appearances of, I'm not, I'm not going to say for sure, but of A-Wings, but at least a battle between 
the rebellion and the empire. Right. Yeah. Like, this has to be one of the first battles, right? Yeah. 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 It must be because even Lords of the Sith takes place five years after Order sixty six. So yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this possibly. is about a year after. The year after. Yeah. And we see how Ahsoka and Bail are able to organize very quickly and extract these citizens from mm. Riot. And mm. I really appreciated this. And one thing that confused the hell out of me in this yeah, book... I, yeah, I was waiting for this. ...was the continual <laughs> reference to Captain Antilles. Yes. And eventually I did go back and do a little research, and it kind of clicked in my head. Mm-hmm. And I actually went back and watched the first part of Star Wars, because mm-hmm. Captain Antilles is mentioned by C-3PO in R2-D2 when they're talking about, I think our former master was Captain Antilles. And so Captain Antilles actually makes an appearance in Star Wars A New Hope. He's the he's the captain that is choked out and killed by Vader in the opening sequence on the Tent of Four. Wow. Yeah, so it is confusing because I thought at first Bale was referring to Wedge Antilles. Yeah. Which is the, the prominent Antilles in the Star Wars lore, Yeah, we right? just had an episode of him on Rebels, yeah. And that's what confused me because mm-hmm. I was like, these guys have done such a good job with their timelines and yeah. keeping up and making sure they're keeping track of characters and who's appearing here, who's appearing there. Yeah. And when they said, I'm going to drop this off to Captain Antilles, I was like, oh man, this is way out of sorts yeah. because we saw... Wedge's first appearance and his joining of the Rebellion just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I was like, this makes no sense. And so going back and kind of refreshing my mind here of some of the characters, some of the almost unimpactful characters in the original trilogy, it it all lines up as far as the canonical timelines all fits and Captain Antilles is just the right-hand man of Bail Organa. Yeah. And I love that they tied that in, but it was confusing at first. It really threw me for a whirl here. Towards the end of this book, we do get this concept of Fulcrum coming to, to fruition here, something that was revealed in Star Wars Rebels Season 2, and a thread that's picked up in Season 3 as well. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's almost this intelligence, this communication branch of the Rebellion that Ahsoka points out to Bale and says, you know, look, this guy, you got a huge hole here, and I'm willing to fill this if yeah. you help me out with the citizens on Raeda. Yeah. And she does fill that role, and they come up with the codename Fulcrum, which is great, awesome callback. And we Love get that. kind of that reintegration of kind of her first appearance in Rebel Season 2 into this book. So yeah. we do see what's happened in that time frame there. And she's been part of the Rebellion almost since its inception, right? Yeah, so you'd have to assume she's been with the Rebellion for, well, in Rebel Season 2, probably for at least 15 to 14 years. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah it's it's a big piece of time. Yeah. yeah. If this all lines she's up. She's grown right? quite a bit then. So yeah. she must be about 32, 33 around yeah. that point. That's incredible. And briefly at the end here, we get an appearance by the Grand Inquisitor. He's come to investigate what's happened on Raeda, mm-hmm. and he pieces together the idea that this was a Jedi. We don't know which Jedi it is, yeah. but it is a Jedi indeed. Yes. And one thing that's always confused me, she is a very recognizable human, right? Any sort of description, Vader would cue yeah. on that immediately, I think. Yeah. And he calls Vader, and you know, it's, it's a nice call to... Rebel Season 2 and this Grand Inquisitor and what they're doing, the hunting of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that aspect there, that visiting just in a brief moment some of the, the more powerful characters that we do see come to their demise yeah. in Rebels. Yeah, no, that's true. I kind of feel like this book needed it too, whereas I know you're reading Lost Stars, that book stands so well on its own two feet without hitting you over the head with all these characters yeah. that we've known. Whereas this book, I feel like it, it has to bring in Bill Organa and yeah. it has to bring in the Inquisitors and it has to bring in a droid that we yes. all know, right? So, um, Kind of its strengths, well, it's kind, of, kind of one of its weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. I'd agree fully with you there. Mm-hmm. What did you think about this tease at the end, this Obi-Wan tease at the end? See, that was that was really cool, but it kind of came out of nowhere. I completely agree. Right? Yeah. It was so cool. I loved what they did there. I would have loved to see that on the big screen. Hopefully, we will one day. But it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so the scene is here, we have Obi-Wan, he's on Tatooine, mm-hmm. he's in deep meditation, he thinks he's at the bottom of his ability to go into this deep-seated meditation, yeah. and then he finds a way to go deeper. And this is when we get the reveal that we get contact with Qui-Gon, yeah. and he says to him, let go. Right. Oh. And I, I don't know, I agree with you, cinematically yeah. this would have been unreal. Right. Think about this as an after credit scene to oh, a film. Oh my god. See, after Rogue Rogue there, oh, oh man, yeah. Just like... And it seems that Lucasfilm or whomever is really seeding this idea of Obi-Wan all over the place. Yes. We see him in the comics. We see him here everywhere. And yep. I'm curious if they're trying to test the waters here in yeah. every aspect. Are they testing for an Obi-Wan book? An Obi-Wan be. movie? Yeah, or... they're pulling these strings. He's all over the place. All and over. I will not be surprised if we see him in Rebel Season 3 here at some point down yeah. the road. That was teased, I think, quite heavily at this, for a few episodes. Yeah. And I'm not going to be surprised if we see this tying in together again. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's just a beautiful way to end the book. Yeah, and it it's, really it's, Again, out of nowhere. And it doesn't really <laughs> impact this book at all. But it's a nice tease. And I'd almost consider it an after credit scene. Oh, for sure. Yeah, completely yeah. agree. So to wrap this up here, what did you think about this book? Do you recommend this book to our fellow Star Wars yeah, readers, listeners, fans? Definitely, guys. you got to go out there and check this out. I mean, I know you guys must be watching Rebels, obviously, if you're listening to this. And you must have some kind of idea of the Clone Wars. And you owe it to yourself because it ties in both worlds so well. And it just establishes Ahsoka even more so to make her a fan favorite. Um, it's, it's a great, great read. It's not my favorite. Um, I still put it maybe about four, five on my list of these books. But all around, it's a great book. And it just gets you more insight of Ahsoka. It really does such a good job of putting you in the shoes of this Jedi. And what it's like in those times of being a Jedi or the only Jedi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is a fantastic book. It's a quick read, and I think it really benefits from that. I think trying to expand beyond what it did would really hurt this book and maybe make it drag a bit more. But it was a quick Ahsoka story. It kind of tied up some of the loose ends that we're curious about, both from the Rebels' perspective as well as from what happened at the end of the Clone Wars. It does a great job tying in the larger universe here and like you said i think that's one of its strengths but it does lean quite heavily on that so it doesn't stand on its own as well as some of the other books that we've read recently Mm -hmm. but i'll fully give this a recommend it did wonders for me for a soka fan i'm so happy that i have her funko pop and Mm -hmm. her her action figure and all that now this is a character that having met her demise i think at least in rebel season two i really really think this is a character that is we're going to see more from because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of timeline here still to build yeah there's so much time and and you know what my next thing is is maybe we could get a video game out of this i think it'd be really cool eb games you make a collector's edition you get the book you get the game there's about 14 years ahead control her with two lightsabers you can have the force release kind of uh, engine going on i think that'd be a really cool video game so i'd be on board with that definitely so get out there and get this book give it a read highly recommend it on audible this is the way i do all of my star wars reading or listening if you will (laughs) and it really helps out with the planet names and it has more of a cinematic experience so it's kind of halfway in between you're listening to it but you're getting the sounds the noises you're getting the the music oh it's so good it's incredible yeah so we're gonna be back next week guys we have the next episode of stars rebel season three imperial super commandos looks like a bit of a mandalore episode which i'm really excited about probably exploring a bit more Sabine's backstory here. Mm-hmm. And again, hitting on these concepts that Rebels isn't just about Thrawn this season. I'm missing my Thrawn a bit here. Yeah, I think we're going to be another couple episodes before we get him I again. Think so. But I'm happy with these episodes. We've been ecstatic that 
I'm not going to call them filler episodes, but mm-hmm. these in-between episodes between the main story points that they developed at the start of the season, these have all been great, and I'm expecting nothing less from that. Can't wait, and uh, I hope we get to see the return of, uh, I think it's the Dark Blade. Darth Maul was holding it down in Clone Wars with this Dark Blade, so I think we did see trailers already that Sabine gets this blade, yeah. so maybe this will be the episode where we see it. I, I, I'm crossing my fingers for it. Yeah. So one more time, guys, get out there and get the Ahsoka book. Give it a read. Give it a listen. If you're interested in Marvel, this week on our other podcast, The Nerd Room, we're going to be discussing Doctor Strange in comics, followed by a review of the Doctor Strange movie the following week. So tune into that if you're interested. Every Thursday, we're laying it down, talking about broad-spanning nerd news, as well as the next couple of weeks, we're going to be discussing Doctor Strange. Sorcerer Supreme. Can't yes. wait. Looking forward to it. I've went back and read a couple of the old comic uh, books. No way. Yes, I'm really looking forward to discussing this week, Doctor Strange. Awesome. Can't wait. Stay tuned, guys. All right, guys. Until next week, this is Star Wars Rebels Alert signing off. I'm Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Troy.